Welcome to episode 12 of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. Back with Josh Erickson and Matt Sheridan. And we've got some big stuff to break down, including the fact that we have our Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, crowned as our Corona Cup champions with a victory over the Dallas Stars in game six. And I just want to start this off by saying I called it. I said six games last episode. Everybody else said five. I said Dallas is going to sneak out another one. They got the OT win. Just got to rub it in a little bit because I, I got that one right. So, Josh, let's go to you. What do you, what do you think of uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas? Yeah. Uh, congratulations, Stammer. You did it. Well, did it in, you know, the loosest sense of terms. Um, yeah. They've deserved it for years. They finally got it. Um, to do what they did. Uh, considering everything. I mean, there's not really much else to say about this without your captain, without a Hall of Famer in Stamkos, um, doing this all within the confines of not really being able to see anyone or your family for three months. I mean, to, to, to not only undergo the mental fight that you need to undergo anyways to win the Stanley Cup, but to do it without having your own bed to go home to. Um, What these guys did is incredible. What the stars did is incredible. Um, And I think to anyone who says that this isn't a legit championship, I don't know what you watched or where your empathy is as a human. Uh, This was an incredible run for Tampa especially when you look at what point and Kucherov were able to do. Hedman, don't mind the con Smythe, would rather have seen it have gone to point, but don't mind it for Hedman. He was stellar. Um, Vasilevsky is an elite goaltender. And Tampa is at the top. They probably did it in their last year where they're going to be this otherworldly good. Um but it's not like their window is closed moving forward. Um, they're not going to sell their core, and they have young pieces waiting to come up. And Alex Volkov, who got into his first playoff game in game six, Alex Baraboule, uh, and others. So they won't be going away for a while, guys. They're here to stay. Highlight of this year for me, given how much coronavirus has sucked and how everyone's been, I guess you could say, miserable that we haven't been able to actually go and watch games. It, for me, at least, for being a Lightning fan, it's it's definitely brought a, a bunch of joy. Just seeing, although they didn't, they looked really stupid in the parade with other people drinking out of the cup and everything. They didn't, they didn't give a crap about COVID at all, but it was nice to see some emotion. Finally, nice to see Stammer get a cup, even though he didn't really play. But, yeah, I don't know. Just, the it's a best nice. Best two minutes and 47 seconds ever. Yeah. Yep, for sure. I mean, 100% shooting percentage, so that's. A stat that'll go down in history. Um, yeah, and he uh, he dethroned Lori Korpakoski in the goals per 60 record in the playoffs, I do think. Yeah. As a fan, I just I, I, I have to say I'm really happy just because it's a nice cap. They've lost. They've had so many heartbreaking losses, like the loss in the Stanley Cup final to Chicago getting swept last year by um, Columbus. It's just... This year, they showed that they were a really dominant team and then they could get the job done. And especially with the amount of work that Julian Breezeball has to do in the offseason, 
signing big guys like uh, Sorelli, Chernak, Sergachev. So he's going to have his hands full. Those are restricted free agents. Then you look at Jan Ruda, Luke Shen, Shattenkirk, Bogosian are all UFAs, along with Patrick Maroon. So he's going to be looking at a tough day. He's going to definitely have to let some people go. Might trade a guy like Yanni Gord, who has a cap hit of like 5.1 million. Um, yeah, he's just going to have a busy payday, but it's, it'll make it a lot sweeter now that they've won the cup. Yeah, that's part of it. Where do you go from here? Because, I mean, you got to think Kalorn's gone at this point. I mean, Gord, Gord is a great player, but with the depth you have, five's pretty steep to be paying him. Uh, not that he's not worth it. He's just not worth it in that role, similarly to why Toronto had to get rid of Connor Brown a couple of years ago. Um, but I do think that Gord either has a no move or no trade uh clause in his deal um so it'll be interesting to see what Breezebois can do I mean obviously he's earned his stripes thus far with the acquisition of both Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow are the reason they won the cup um because I mean as good as Point and Kucherov were that third line of Coleman Point and Goodrow uh sorry Coleman Gordon Goodrow was absolutely dominant um so Tampa's got an interesting situation coming up. I mean, you've built for the future. You've drafted well. I mean, now's your time to capitalize on that. Yeah, and if I could add in, I, I was reading an interesting story today, just wanting to circle back to Hedman winning the cons. There was so many deserving people like Point Kucherov. Maybe could throw in a, a, love, a love vote for, or like a vote of sympathy for Vasilevsky because he had a hell of a run just um, in 2009 when the draft was there, the scouts wanted Matt Duchesne and the owner and someone else nixed it and chose Hedman and see how far he's come with Stamkos. Right. It's really nice to see. And so I want to like kind of swing back around, look at this from the other side. So now you have to look at Dallas star, right? So obviously this is, one of the toughest losses to swallow. Um, not only did you lose the cup, but you just lost a cup that you've been stuck in a bubble away from your family for, you know, two months for. Um, so who this really has to hurt for is Joe Pavelski, right? He's never won a cup in his career. He's one of the most deserving players, recently passed Patrick Kane for uh, most goals all time by an American skater. It's it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for him. He's got two years left in Dallas, but we were already questioning their ability to, you know, make it as far as they did when these playoffs started. So what are they going to look like next year? Obviously, we have an entire offseason to see what their moves are going to be and likely a shortened year next year. So who knows what that's going to bring. But, you know, are we, are we going to get to see Joe Pavelski get another shot at this? Because it'd be a shame to see him go his entire career without getting to lift Lord Stanley. Yeah, I think Pav's got more than two more years of left left to hockey in him. Uh, I don't think this seven mil pact he signed with Dallas is going to be his last deal. Um, I don't think he gets to the cup final in the next two years, which is exactly why I think that. Um, this was Dallas's shot, if, it, if you even want to call it a shot. I mean, most people would agree that they didn't deserve to be there in the first place. Um, Dallas is a good team, and they aren't going to fall out of it. Um, but when you're looking at a conference that has Colorado coming up, Vancouver coming up, even the Kings coming back up and the Oilers, who knows what they'll be like. 
St. Louis could still make runs for it. Winnipeg had a down year. Uh, Dallas is going to struggle to stand out. Not that they won't be competitive. They'll just struggle to stand out like a Colorado or Vancouver team will. Um, So, I mean, you could see Dallas making the second round a couple times. I mean, they're just going to kind of fall into the trap here that the Wild fell in. Uh, except Dallas is the high-end talent to actually make the runs. Um, we've still yet to see the best from Miro Heiskanen. Goaltending is a big factor moving forward for Dallas because Kadobin's going to hit the open market here, and he may very well, especially after his regular season performance, he, he may very well have priced himself out of Dallas. Um, so Bishop and Ottinger, I don't like that, considering Bishop's a piece of glass. Um, so Dallas isn't in a bad spot moving forward, but they're certainly not in a great spot. Um, and I think Pavelski is going to get one last shot at it in a few years with another team, but it won't be with Dallas. And here's kind of an alarming stat too, is amongst the eight forwards that they will have returning for next year, or really all the forwards, but they have eight returning for next year. As of right now, uh, the average age of their forward group is, according to Cap Friendly, is around 31 and a half, 31.4 specifically. So that's a, that's an, that's a really old group. Like they need to right, get that number is going to go have, up. Sagan, yeah, Sagan's 28. You know, Jamie Ben's 31. Pavelski's 36. I know he's a new to that, so he's not really part of their core, I would say. But, you know, he's still up there in age. Radulov, 34. Cogliano, 33. I mean, this is not a young group. They need right. some I mean, young that's, talent because pretty soon they're going to be looking at bounced early. Yeah. I mean, that's going to go up because you're going to re-sign Perry on another one-year deal. You have to. That man was ridiculous for you in the playoffs. Um, the guy who I think is being overlooked in a lot of this and actually speaks to how – Honestly, how really good Dallas was is Tyler Sagan played through wrist, hip, knee, and something else. Uh, Explains why he couldn't shoot the puck, Um, which, as I've been saying all along, is, you know, not, not his fault. This wasn't just poor play from him. This was, I am hurt badly, and I'm still trying to benefit my team. So what the... Does Dallas win that? If Sagan is 100%, they at least get it to seven. They've got it. Because just with the amount of chances that Sagan was getting that he couldn't produce on because he was banged up, you got to think that accounts for something. Uh, so Dallas had everyone rolling. Uh, does that continue? I don't know. I don't think so. They've shown very little ability to do that. They've extended the invitation to Rick Bonus to take over as the head coach full-time. Players love the guy. They responded to him super well as a head coach. Um, I don't think he takes it, though. I think he's a guy that's happier being the assistant, being the good cop. Um, but as you've seen this year, I think this era of the head coach being the bad cop and your assistants being the good guys is – you know, lar- largely over. John Cooper is a player's coach. Tampa Bay is a skilled team. The difference for Tampa, t- 
Tampa and Toronto are two really similar, similar teams here. Um, you could argue Tampa has the better defense and goaltending, but Toronto probably has the better offense on paper. And they have the players coach and Keefe that guys respond well to. They have the ability to have really solid depth. Um, I mean, what's missing there is obviously Kucherov was laying the body. Hedman was laying the body, right? You have these skilled guys that introduced a physical aspect to their game. Kucherov was out there being a friggin' power forward. Um, so, you know, I'm waiting. When are we going to see that from Marner? When are we going to see that from Hyman more? See him, you know, he's great on the forecheck, but is he going to hit guys? Um, so Tampa's set the blueprint here, and it's up for everybody else to follow because that is how teams are going to win championships moving forward. It's not going to be Islanders' stingy defense. You saw what Tampa did to them. Uh, it, it, it's teams, obviously, if you can't hit, you're not going to win. Like, if you're not, you need to have some form of physical aspect. That isn't out of the game entirely. But you need skill, and you need high-end skill. You need a Tarasenko. You need no Riley. You need a point. You need a Kucherov, um, which plenty of teams have. Islanders have it in Barzell, but most teams who win have two. You had Ovechkin and Backstrom, Crosby and Malkin, uh, Kopitar and Carter, or Kopitar and Brown, or however you want to phrase it, based on the Kings' wins. You had 5,000 of them on Chicago, Kane, Taves, Hosa. I can go on. Uh, Krejci and Marchand and Bergeron and all those guys in Boston. Uh, Datsuk and Zetterberg in Detroit, right? Like, this goes back a while. You are not going to win cups entirely by committee. You can get to conference finals. You can get to cup finals. Ask the Oilers in 2006. Um, but you need your stars to show up for you. So, Edmonton, hope you're listening, right? It's going to be an interesting time moving forward, but I, I know Tampa's not going to go away, and they have the formula. Pay attention, NHL. This is how you win. Um, yeah, you definitely have to draft your stars and keep them around. Draft that's, shit, right? That's another How, thing. right? I wanted to say, you look at Dallas's prospects, and most people would be like, "Oh, they probably don't have anyone." But Ty Delandria, captain of the Flint Firebirds, he's going to make. I'd, I'd put my money; he's making the NHL out of camp. Um, great leadership qualities. A guy who's a character player in the dressing room. Great playmaker. He has a size 6'1", 190 pounds. He had the emergence of Dennis Gurionov this this um, postseason. He's going to be a guy who can go in there. You got Jason Robertson, who had a really, really solid rookie season in the AHL. Um, one that might not be as well known, Alvin Erickson. He's six foot five. Great guy who stand in front of the net, tip home um, the pucks. He was. Uh, it says here an above average skater. The nineteen year old said he models his game after Patrick Line, who's not bad. He does have a great shot. And then you have a, a pretty decent goalie in Jake Oninger. I mean, the last time the goalie was drafted in the first round, I'm not too sure about <laughs> when was the last one, but he was a guy that was the first first 
the first goalie to be drafted in the first round in a long time. And he's shown that he has potential. He has a great frame, six foot five. And uh, I think he's definitely the future in that for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, he looked calm. And when he was in, I mean, it's not like he was being challenged or anything, but dude's got the demeanor. I think he's ready to be a backup. Just I don't feel comfortable putting him in with Bishop next year because you know how susceptible Bishop is to injury. So I don't think Dallas is, like you said, um, Pavelski had a hell of a run. So did Perry. Those guys, they can uh, up, up their play in the playoffs and next year as well if they make it. They're, that's a yep. team that can make another deep run. And you look at guys like Sagan, if they're fully healthy, Ben, Radulov, they have a good team. And you got Heiskanen, one of the best young defenders in, in the NHL right now. And if he can continue to build and John Klingberg can return back to his old form, then this team is really good. And looking ahead at next season for Dallas, or at least the offseason, excuse me, um, they're going to be walking into free agency with about $15.5 million to spend until they hit the cap ceiling. And that's assuming the cap won't go up, which it more than likely will not. I think it's all but guaranteed at this point. Um, and so in terms of what they're losing, all right, so current RFAs with expiring contracts include Radek Foxa, Rupe Hintz, and Denise Gurianov on the offensive side of things. They don't have any uh, RFAs on defense, but expiring uh, UFAs, so unrestricted free agents, include Corey Perry, Matthias Yanmark, and Andre Sakara. So they've got some holes they need to fill. This team is only getting older. They don't have the money to really be throwing at the Taylor Halls and the Alex Petrangelos to get them a boost. Well, I, that's I don't where see, I they disagree. They overperformed this year, and I don't see them getting back. That's where I disagree. And now that I'm actually thinking, I didn't, I forgot that they had that much cap space. Dallas could get another piece here. Uh, a guy who's gone is probably Yanmark. Um, he's a weird player for me. I don't notice him at all, which is good, but also bad. Um, I think you could use, you know, you could replace his spot with a Matt mentioned a Delandria or Jason Robertson. Perry could come back. It'll be a pretty cheap deal again. Uh, Andre Shecker is going to retire. But right. I mean, I, I still think you can re-sign Kudobin. I mean, you can get him to take like three mil. Who knows? Uh, Fax is going to need a new deal. That'll probably be around four. Hence, probably around three. Gurionov, maybe around two. Um, but that's that's still leaving you with about seven or eight mil. Um, and Dallas is a team that's got a lot of money. Real money, not cap space, but real money here to spend. Um, you could go after somebody here. You could, uh, if things go south, Try go trying to go after Tyler Toffoli if things don't work out for him in Vancouver, which I think they will. But if they don't, um, I don't think Hall Hall's not going to be in your price range. But you've got you don't really need to add on defense. Like Alexiak is good, Lindell is fine. Like Lindell, you don't you get a cheap guy for a million if that, um, or you let a prospect step in. Thomas Harley should be ready. Um, but Dallas could, you know, try and nail a Mikhail Grandland or Craig Smith. And all of a sudden, that offense has got another big boost there. 
Um, and their team is almost better than it is last year. Because you've got another year of Heiskanen. Klangberg will rebound a little bit. You can be in some pretty decent shape here if you're Dallas. Again, I, I think a lot of people overperformed this year, but that's why you add. And Dallas has the room to add. So they will be one of the more intriguing teams to watch this offseason for sure. And looking at uh, this offseason for Dallas, like I do agree with you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the big fish are really in the picture for them. That's, that's more what I was getting at is the Taylor Halls are definitely out of their price range. Um, and we're going to assume that they're going to fill the backup goalie role with Ottinger. So I think, I think that's a fairly safe bet. So let's assume that they're going into next season with Bishop and Ottinger. They don't need to fill a goalie spot. Um, maybe going after Dadanov or um, – I forgot about him. Uh, Mike Hoffman. Those, those will both be available. Tyler Toffoli. So those are three guys that I could see being within Dallas's price range that could wind up being a star next year. But the big fish are probably out of, out of, their, out of the picture for Dallas. Yeah, and it's it's also a choice of destination. And you know Hall's going to want to go to a team that's literally overflowing with talent, like a Colorado or some team like that. He wants to know that he has a chance to win, and you just don't know with Dallas. you got guys like Petrangelo yeah. who are looking to sign with either, you know, who, who knows if he signs with Toronto. But um, Vegas, another really solid team, has a really good future. Just I don't see any big big free agent signing with – the Dallas Stars, they have a lot of cast base. They could definitely go after some guys, but I don't see the the big, the so-called big fishes in the pond signing with them. So looking ahead at the defensive situation in Edmonton, they have Oscar Clefbaum, who had some had dealt with some nasty injuries, and it's looking like he could be uh, electing to have surgery this off season. And if he does undergo said surgery, it would likely keep him out for the entirety of the next season. Uh, we're assuming it's going to be a short year. So it is highly likely that he will not return. And amidst those rumors that he will be having this surgery are rumors that Edmonton would be interested in trading for current Arizona Coyotes captain, Oliver ekman Larson. And ekman Larson is very much on the market, according to a lot of rumors we've heard. Edmonton, maybe not on his list. Uh, some rumors going around that he may be more interested in Boston or Vancouver. Uh, but, Matt, I want to start with you on this one. What's your take on Edmonton's defensive situation? Do you think they have a legitimate shot at getting ekman Larson? Um, OEL is um, – ekman Larson is a guy that would be – it would take a pretty hefty price to get him, but – especially looking at Edmonton's blue line, you don't know where it's going. Yeah, you got really good prospects in Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg, but I don't know. It's just, it's something that's a weakness for them, especially with Clefbaum now with the chronic shoulder injury. Who knows if he ever comes back? That's something that has plagued a lot of players and has definitely diminished the way they can play. So, and there was talks about Larson being traded. Benning, I think, is an RFA. Um, it's just there's a lot of questions surrounding the Edmonton Oilers blue line, blue line, and I think if they did bring in OEL, that's a really solid addition to them for them. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody who should be playing in, on Edmonton's blue line in four seasons is already on the team. Bear, 
Jones, Broberg, Bouchard, Lagason, Samarukov. No turn on there. Nurse, too. Well, I don't know when his deal's up. Yeah, add Nurse into that. Sam Rukov's your seventh guy. That's really damn good, guys. Edmonton's going to be ready here. Which is why, uh, do you guys know, Brandon, do you know how many years OEL has left on his deal? Give me a while. Nurse has... Nurse has two years left at 5.6. But he's probably an RFA at the end of that, right? No. Oh, he's not? Nurse would be a UFA. Nurse is a yeah, UFA nurse is already in like 2022. Oh, I thought he was only like 23, 24. Okay. Uh, Ekman Larson has seven years left Yeah. at 8.25. So whoever's taking him is taking out a pretty hefty contract. Edmonton, well, I, they're not, but they can't. Right? I mean, Nurse, Fair, Lagason, Bouchard, Broberg, right? Like, you have it set. You don't need another big guy. Uh, so, kill it with fire, Edmonton. Don't do it. I just, and I will say, looking at the way Edmonton is shaped up for the next couple of years, like, they're one of those teams that's kind of in a, Minnesota Wild a few years ago kind of situation where they've got some talent. They're maybe a fringe playoff team. They could they could make maybe some surprise some people and push in the playoffs. But if they make it in, they're not going to get very far. As much as I'd love to see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl tearing up the Stanley Cup playoffs, making a run to the finals and lifting Stanley Cup, I don't see it happening with the talent they have in this team. Maybe in a few years, like Josh said, if, if the – defense develops the way they need it to. Um, but they, they really need the forward help more more than anything else. I think the defense Here's will be the all thing, right though. in the cup. Edmonton finished where they should have finished this year. Right? Like, yeah. I don't know what the hell that playoff upset was. But they finished where they should have finished. Their defense was good. Dave Tippett is the right coach for this team. Their go- oh, excuse me. Their goaltending is good. Their wings suck. Yamamoto's it's good. so bad. It's so bad, dude. You need to keep Tyler Ennis and build from there. I don't. I. I, I don't understand why Athanasius never. He's going to be one of those. He just. There's some issue with him. I don't know what it is, but he never seems to stick anywhere he goes. Um, even though he's undoubtedly a talented player, there's just got to be some other issues there. Um, who else? Yamamoto's a full season of Yamamoto will help because dude was point per game. Yeah, I think it was like 26 wow. points in 27 games or something like that. Yeah. So a full season of that yeah. would be huge. Uh, Nuge again. You, but you need someone to play with McDavid. You can't keep sticking Archibald and Cassian on his wings. That's well, just what not if they fair to poor Connor. What if they go after a guy that we already discussed with Dallas, like they say Tyler Toffoli or an Evgeny Dedoff? They do have 11 million walking into this offseason. They're losing, as of right now, contracts coming off the books include FNSU, Riley Shahan, Tyler Ennis, Matt Benning, Ethan Bear, and Mike Smith. Mike Smith's definitely not coming back. Bear you know, is a Shea, solid Shahan, you could let go. Uh, 
but I could see them keeping him on a cheap deal to be 4C. Um, Bear's going to take four, I think. I think Edmonton gets Bear to a longer-term deal, like maybe a six by four, um, which would be really advantageous to them, like the Klingberg deal. Um, Ennis, three. So that's seven. And you've only got four left because you said 11 mil. Um, I think you let Benning walk. You're too stacked on B. Um, yeah, you need to try and move that Chris Russell contract if you can. That would be a big help. Edmonton's in no business. Yes. I mean, maybe at that point you re signed Benning, but maybe. I'm, I, Edmonton I'm can't thinking... be a big player, unfortunately. They need cheap. They need to maybe look at a Craig Smith at the low end. Um, yeah, I don't really know who else is in that range, to be honest. And here's the thing that makes moving Chris Russell difficult is he does have an NMC on his contract. Well, think about their prospects, though. You guys, you, you mentioned they're, they're, they're good on defense, but at the same time, they're not bad on – I wouldn't go out and throw a lot of money at a center either because you've got Ryan McLeod. Oh, not a center. A wing. Oh, but okay. even then, it's um, – Ryan McLeod, he's he's really good. He can be a solid, oh, solid guy. Cooper Meredith could have his chance in a few seasons. You look at Kirill Maximov. He he's a tough right winger who can shoot the puck. His skating needs work, but he'll probably head to the A. Yeah, um, I I'm just checking where Maximov played last year. Benson should make the team next year. Yeah. So you put Benson on McDavid's wing. I like that. Um, but you need somebody else. That's not Zach Cassian. Right? You need someone who doesn't need to drive play, but you need someone who can stay with McDavid. And Ennis, Ennis is better third line. Um, you have your second line. You have Nuge, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto. You do not touch that. That is the best second line in the league. Um, and is honestly probably your first line. Like no love lost with Connor, but that unit is so good. Um, so you play that as much as you can at your tippet. Um, so that leaves Benson, McDavid, and player you probably need to go out and get in free agency. Is Lavoie a wing, Matt, or is he a center? He's a I'm just to double check, but I do think he is a wing. I'm not. But, like, is he going to be – he's not ready next year. No. No. Um, yeah, he Who can play center or right wing. Well, you got to remember, they have the 14th overall pick. So, oh. they take a – They could get a Jarvis. Yeah. They take a guy that will not make the NHL next season, but they take a guy that could look – very well look to make the, C, the NHL, like – in maybe two years 22. down the line yeah. yeah and you do not have you have a lot of good options at the 14th overall pick with a lot of good wings you can pick and choose who you want who you think will play best with mcdavid because at that range it's you take the best player available up to eight or up to ten 
And then after that, it's, it depends on who goes off the board early and a guy that the team wants. And the Oilers could look at that guy that could ultimately form a very, very good line with McDavid or Dreisaitl. Right. And I get that. But the goal with McDavid and Dreisaitl was not to win a cup. It is to win cups. And you need to do it while they're still on these deals. Um, so Edmonton, need, Holland needs to treat this team like a real contender because they can be. They're not far off. They need wings. Like we've been saying for the past 15 seasons, um, literally. So I think, I don't know. I'd like to see them hang on to that pick if they can because it's such a good draft. And you are going to get a good guy at 14. I agree. But you need somebody there. Okay, I think so... they have to be patient. I really do. Okay. Got... I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I also just think that, you know, enough I, is enough here. Yeah, I get going out and signing your veteran guys that can make an impact in the lineup now, but I'm not going out and signing them to five or six-year deals. You've got guys on the sideline now that are just waiting, need a few, like one or two more seasons of development. You got your blue line that can be set for many years to come. And you've got a few good forwards. And if you add them with the 14th overall pick, you've got a really good team. And any team that has McDavid, the best player in the world, and the Hart Trophy winner in dry settle, this team's going to be good. That's my take. Um, Just looking real quick. So the thing with Ekman Larson, so moving on, moving back to the Ekman Larson a little bit. It appears that he is going to be traded. It doesn't seem to me a matter of if, it's more a matter of when at this point. And, and he's going to be difficult to move. Huh? And to whom? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, that's the, big, that's the big question is to who. And one of the most difficult parts of that is the fact he has seven years remaining on an $8.25 million deal and he also has a no movement, a no, no NMC, no trade clause, basically a no movement clause in general. So if he's going to be traded, he has to waive that first and foremost. And I don't think that would be too much of an issue. Generally speaking, if a player is going to be traded, they will waive it. I can't think of a situation in recent memory where that has truly been an issue because generally speaking, once a player finds out they're not wanted anymore, they don't care about as much yep. about staying with the team, they're like, I just find, I just want out. If you don't want me, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to go. I don't want to be a part of that culture where you don't want me. So one of the teams that has already been named is Boston. And this immediately solves it. If they can pull it off, this immediately solves their uh, Boston's biggest problem. And that is the fact that they are going to lose Tory Krug this offseason. That's no longer a thought. I mean, nothing has been said publicly. At this point, he is gone. It's, it's not much of a question anymore. So they need someone who can fill that role. And Ekman Larson has proven that he can be an offensive guy. So let's put him into Krug's role. So he slides into that top four role, top line potentially. And what's going back the other way? So you're going to have to lose something big because – Well, that's what I was going to say. Is the brusque is more than likely going the other way because for a couple of reasons. Number one – He's already he, he's an RFA right now. He will not take a pay cut, according to statements his agent made earlier in the season. And Boston probably can't afford to keep him 
and some of the other guys that they have to re-sign this offseason. So DeBrusque is probably one of the pieces going the other way. And because he is a restricted free agent, that also gives uh, the Coyotes exclusive negotiating rights, or unless he, he gets offer sheeted uh, until they sign, until, until they can make a deal, essentially. Then you've got on, on the defense, you think maybe a, I think maybe a defensive prospect could go the other way or a solid young defensive guy. Arizona is looking to reshape and rebuild their roster under the new ownership, according to uh, some rumors that have been circulating around. So could we maybe see a Jeremy Lozon or an Erho Vakanainen going back to Vak. Arizona alongside DeBrusque? And then because of Ekman Larson's status, I wouldn't be surprised to see a second or third round draft pick go along with both of those guys. I don't think that's an unreasonable ask for Arizona to acquire a a top six, a young top six forward, a defenseman who's going to develop into hopefully a top four guy, and a draft pick which they can use to add a third player whom they deem they would like to take, who they deem necessary to their rebuild. And the thing is, the nice part about that is, is that with the Brusque contract coming off the books, they have the space to take it without having to re-sign DeBrusque. That helps out tremendously. They're going into the offseason with a projected cap space of $14 million. So without having to worry about signing De, re-signing DeBrusque and not having to worry about getting Krug back on the roster, it really helps this team get the guys back. It's going to hurt yeah. to lose DeBrusque, don't be wrong, because then you're losing one of the wings that Krejci's been playing with for a few years. And we've all seen the revolving door of wingers he's had over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, so it's, it's going to hurt there. It's going to hurt there. Yeah, it's a good list. Um, it's definitely going to hurt there. But, you know, you're, you're keeping Andre Kasha in this situation. So that, that's not a bad winger to have on his side. But now you have to look at who's going to fill the left wing on Krejci's other side. And so. if I could – I'd like that trade for Boston. I can definitely see Ekman Larson going into that system and fitting in really well. I just, same thing with Edmonton on Twitter. I was seeing something that I don't know how true these rumors are, but I saw um, when the Coyotes and the Oilers were having discussions, um, Arizona inquired about Bouchard and that's where they said it ended because they're not parting with him. So if you're Boston, do you part with one of your top prospects and take on the full brunt of Ekman Larson's contract? while parting with a, a really solid player in DeBrusque and a second or third round pick. For me, that's something that can be debated, but what, what would be your guys' take on that? Yeah. I mean, no one's retaining anything, right? On a deal that long, Arizona's not going to. So I do believe that I can see Boston doing that. I'm not as high. Bouchard's a much better prospect than Vakaninen. Like, it's not close. Um, so, DeBrusque, who, with no real center in, like he has in Krejci, is more realistically 40 points in Arizona. Vak, top four, second parent potential. I might ask for a first in that if I'm Arizona. I well, might the ask for a problem with the first is that the 2021st already belongs to Anaheim. So if you're getting a first... No, 2021. 2021 or 2022. Okay. Yeah, it needs to be 2021 because Arizona, they lost their pick. Oh, that's right. So they want that's it to be okay. 2021, yeah. So yep. 
if Arizona could swing the first out of that, I think they could. I don't think the value is that high, honestly, in DeBrusk and Bakunainen. I just don't. Not that DeBrusk isn't good, but he is going to play better in Boston than he is in Arizona. And we will look at, like you said, look at the look at the centers that the Arizona has. They don't have the centers Boston does. They don't have the talent that Boston does. And it's the team that's looking at the rebuild. I'm thinking they're going after DeBrusk looking long term. He's 23 years old. He's an RFA right now. You sign him to a player of his caliber. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get four to five years on his next contract. And, you know, that fits Arizona's bill pretty well, considering that they're hoping that in four to five years is when things are starting to turn around and they're starting to become a contender. Yep. I, I would like that trade for both sides. I really would. And then Vancouver. I don't. I really don't know what they give up, but I would not be going and – going in and trying to get like a jet woo or, or uh, someone like that. Cause those guys are going to be really solid players in the future. And Niels Hoglander, I would not throw away one of your top prospects for OEL. Yeah. That's just me. And something I saw earlier today too, said that Boston and Arizona have actually had talks before Bill Armstrong was even hired about potentially acquiring OEL. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Boston because Boston clearly has quite a bit of interest in him. If they were looking or if they're already talking with a potential general manager before he was even hired by the team, there's clearly a lot of interest in Boston to acquire him. It's just a matter of can they make it happen? Yep. Um, yeah, the fit's better in Boston than Vancouver. I just in terms of the trade, not the actual player. Because um, Vancouver is going to need some stability there. But Vancouver doesn't have the right tier of prospect. I don't think Wu's enough. I like Vakanainen better than Wu, but I don't, you know, you don't want to give up a put Coles and Matt's right. Um, so in all honesty, I do think he goes to Boston. That's my prediction, I guess. Um, will be one of the more interesting storylines to watch for sure this summer. Um, interesting situation in Arizona, for sure. That'd be – I'd be tempted to – if I'm Arizona, I'm going after Jack Rathbone. He is going to be good. That's not bad. And he's – I don't know. I really like him. I think he's so effortless in his skating, and he can move the puck really, really well. And he would fit really well with Arizona being kind of on that verge of the rebuild and looking towards the future, like Brandon said. And he's developed into a really, really solid prospect for um, the Canucks. All right. So the one of the most unfortunate and saddest pieces of news that broke this week, but we kind of all knew it was coming. The New York Rangers have bought out the contract of Henrik Lundqvist but you got to figure maybe the King gets one more shot on a one-year deal somewhere else, but it, it appears that his career could be coming to a close, certainly to a close with the New York Rangers, of course, having not won a Stanley Cup in his career thus far. And to see a legend like that go through a painful buyout with two young guys coming in to take his place, it really shows the business side. The NHL can be a cold-hearted place sometimes and, you know, Definitely a business first and foremost. So, uh, Josh, let's start with you on this one. What do you think about the Rangers buying up the contract of Henrik Lundqvist? 
Uh, well, to circle back to your first point, yes, he do, he's got to get a one-year deal somewhere else. Um, I, I think he has more hockey left in him. Uh, uh, any cursory look at, you know, some advanced goalie stats will tell you. The Rangers played significantly worse defensively in front of Lundqvist than they did for either Georgiev or Shesterkin. Uh, so, yes, Lundqvist is not an elite goalie anymore, but he's a good goalie. Um, he's better than that 905 this season suggested. He's got more in the tank, um, and I think he's going to come back pissed, and I think he's going to come back motivated, and he's going to want to win himself a cup, and he might surprise a lot of people next year with the way he plays. I've seen people saying Colorado, don't see how that happens. Um, I do think Dallas is a good fit for him, I must say, or Vancouver if Markstrom walks. Um, so I don't think he's going to stay. The only way I see Lundqvist staying in that conference, if I'm being honest, is if Toronto trades Anderson and doesn't get a goalie back. Yeah, I think Lundqvist could go on to a – could look to sign with a playoff team on a one- or two-year deal and be fine with a backup role as long as he wins a cup. Because Oh, yeah, he's fine with a backup role. Yeah, Because he'd be Demko's backup in Vancouver. You you look at what he's done and the amount of times I think I read he's finished top six in um, Vezina voting or top ten for the last six years or something like that. And or there was a streak where he was one of the most consistent goaltenders and he proved to be a key, key player for the New York Rangers. And you've seen it. He's one of the more underrated goalies. I think he's sixth on the all-time wins list. And usually most New York players in sports in general are big, but you think of Lundqvist and his impact. No one really talks about him, but he's been such a good goalie over the past few years. And he yeah, was one of the key Roger reasons. Yeah, you saw Roger Federer giving him tributes on Twitter, right? Like that yeah. dude transcends hockey. Yeah. And just the way he battled in the playoffs, he put that team pretty much on his back and brought them to the cup final. He's that good. He's, he should have his number retired this season. Like as far as I'm concerned, that's how legendary he is. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he signs because he has experience in the playoffs. He's a great, great teammate and he can go in there for a team that's maybe on the verge of contending or, right there they just need that one last piece and he can make a team pretty special yep totally agree um since making his debut in the 2005-2006 season Henrik Lundqvist has been the face of the New York Rangers franchise he has been an elite goaltender he has carried them through the playoffs yeah seventh round pick a late round pick which is amazing the fact that you know we've seen goalies do this before especially like Pekka Rene uh, we've seen goalies who have been drafted late turn out to be outstanding players. And Lundqvist has just been exactly that. I mean, in 871 games started, his, his total win total, 459. Right? 310 losses over, over the regular season in his career. The man has been unbelievable for the city of New York. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't care if he's won a cup or not. He is a Hall of Famer. You know, a career 2.43 goals against and a save percentage of 
no, there, yeah. there has been arguably no better goaltender in the NHL since 2005. And he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to thrive, I would imagine, in that backup role. And I think he could potentially, you know, if he signs with a contender, I could see him winning his cup this way. Maybe not the most like glamorous. Maybe not the most glamorous way to do it, but I think I think that's the most realistic shot that he has at a cup right now. Yeah, the curtain is not closed on him for sure. If you if you look at what um, Boston did by I think what trading Ray Borg to to Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, I, I if he makes the playoffs, I'm rooting for the team that he's on just because of, like you said, he transcends the game of hockey. And he's such a special character. He's caring and everything. And I'd love, I'd love nothing more at the end of the day than to see Henrik Lundqvist lift the cup. All right. So the last big thing we have set for today, we're not, we're not going to really be discussing anything else. It's kind of a short episode, but we got to plan and recharge for next week's episode. Or should I say episodes? Because we will be recording two. The NHL draft is on October 6th and 7th, so we're going to be recording one episode breaking, just talking about the draft, breaking it down, who went where, who won, uh, who, who, who got the best trade deals, all of that, and we'll have another episode uh, to be released on. So what, that, that, yeah. the draft episode will be released on Saturday, October. Sorry, I thought this up. 10th. So the draft episode will be released on Saturday, October 10th, and then free agency does open on October 9th. So we'll be releasing an episode on that Sunday, October 11th. We're going to break down just uh, free agency, where guys went, and how they're going to fit with their new team. So definitely make sure that you check out both of those episodes. So like I said, double feature for you all. And uh, we're going to cut this one a little short so we have time to get things ready for our next episode. So definitely make sure to check back in. Uh, next week on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, we'll hopefully you'll listen to all of our content that we've got planned for you all. So uh, have a good one and uh, we'll talk to you later.